This episode is sponsored by ByHeart. And I feel like I need to preface what I'm going to say with this. I'm a huge advocate of breastfeeding. Anyone who knows me well knows that nursing is something I believe in. And all five of our biological children were breastfed until they were 19 to 23 months old. However, we also have fostered and adopted, and I've been so grateful for formula companies in those situations. I'm also grateful for formula companies because our last two biological children, I really struggled with my supply and did all the things, spent so much time and effort, and just was never able to produce enough for them to be able to gain weight and not be hungry. And so I was so grateful for companies like Byheart. Byheart is an infant nutrition company built from the ground up to deliver real innovation on behalf of babies and parents. Their mission is simple, make the best formula in the world. Using the latest in breast milk science, Byheart created a clinically proven, easy to digest infant formula that's made with organic, grass-fed whole milk, certified clean ingredients, and features a patented protein blend that gets closest to breast milk. They're made with certified clean ingredients. It has no soy, corn syrup, GMOs, or palm oil. Curious about Byheart? Redeem your welcome offer at byheart.com forward slash podcast with code crystal for a limited time. Additional terms and conditions apply. So go to byheart.com forward slash podcast and use crystal to get your welcome offer. Welcome to the Crystal Pain Show, where we help you embrace your life right where you are and give you practical steps to get to where you want to go. Whether you are in your car, folding laundry, cooking, cleaning, or maybe even just enjoying a cup of coffee and a few minutes of quiet, we're so glad you're joining us today. Here's your host, wife, mother of four, foster mom, entrepreneur, and author, Crystal Payne. Welcome to another episode of the Crystal Pain Show. Today's episode is one like we've never done before. <laughs> and it wasn't supposed to be like this. But, you know, sometimes the things that aren't supposed to be end up being better. So there's a lot of backstory to this. I'll just give you the short story. And that is there's a tiny, teeny little card that we put in the soundboard to run the podcast. And I was having Ruth Joe Simons over for this interview. And that tiny little card was with Jesse, unbeknownst to kind of either of us that we knew that we'd kind of put the pieces together. And he was 45 minutes away and she could only be at our house for an hour and so I went to hit record. We were sat down in the podcast studio, went to hit record, and there was a funny color on the soundboard. And I'm really <laughs> grateful that I actually clued into that because I'm the kind of person, Jesse, you'll uh-huh. you know attest to that I, it's a miracle that I noticed that, but I was like, something is off. And so I called Jesse to ask him, why does the soundboard look different? And it was then, <laughs> ding, yeah, ding, 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 ding. You, you know that? feeling when you realize that something is very wrong, that sinking feeling in your stomach. Yeah, that's. So there was no way for us to record the podcast with the soundboard. 
So we were looking at backup options. We had this very tight window of time and you should have seen me and Ruth on our phones and our computers. Neither one of us are techie at all. We both have podcasts, but other people do the techie stuff for the podcast. So for us to try to finagle something together with what we had in the limited amount of time, we finally just decided to get creative and we did a Facebook live and an Instagram story and an Instagram live. So we did do a lot in a short amount of time. (laughs) And then I thought we could probably strip the audio from the Facebook live and Jesse was able to make that happen. Mm -hmm. So the second half of this podcast is going to be part of that Facebook live that Jesse edited for that. So the sound quality is going to be different than usual, but I thought it actually turned out really well for, you know, using the Facebook audio direct from Facebook. Yeah. It turned out, I mean, it's not obviously not podcast quality. What, like what we usually produce, But yeah, I think that it will be consumable. And so hopefully you can enjoy that, even though it's a little different than typical and what we typically do if I have a guest on the show. And since it's shorter, we thought, well, that'll be fun. Jesse and I can um, still share some things, give you a little update on what's been going on around here because there's a lot that's been going on. I just got home from a trip to Pennsylvania. I went to Lancaster, Pennsylvania, which... It looks like Lancaster, especially my Kansas accent would be like Lancaster, but it's according to the locals, Lancaster. If you're from Lancaster, you can let me know if I'm saying that correctly. Yeah, I think you're right. No, I think I put the emphasis a little bit off, a little bit off, but all of the locals that heard me say it were like, wow, have you been here before? (laughs) And actually... I believe it was my fifth time to go to the area, to the area, to the Harrisburg, Lancaster area, because so fascinating. So Silas and Micah came with me. Silas is our 13 year old. And my very first blogging conference that I spoke at was in Harrisburg, which is right outside of Lancaster. In fact, they told me they kind of consider it all connected, all the same sort of area. And, um, I, Styles was a baby. Mm-hmm. We brought him and you came with me and to have, you know, to come back 13 years later, feeling much, much more confident as a public speaker in the sense of that, that very first time <laughs> it was the most nerve wracking thing, probably looking back on my life that I can ever remember up to that point doing It was so scary to stand on that stage in front of all those people and give my very first talk. Only it wasn't exactly a talk. It was more a read because I had written out every single word that I was going to share. I had this huge stack of notes. But so to come back 13 years later with Silas and he's now caring for our four-month-old Micah. Mm -hmm. It was just kind of this full circle thing. Do you know how old Silas was then? I believe that he was 18 months. Okay. And so it would have been about... Yeah. 13 years ago. Was, was that when we went to, or when I went to the Hershey Museum? I don't know if it was that time because I, we then, I went to the same blogging conference two more years. Right. And Maybe then, it was one of those other ones. I feel like because I'd made connections may the first one. have been one of those other years. And then you were like, we need to come back as a family. So yeah. then we ended up going back as a family, maybe what? Seven 
yeah. six years ago. Um, yeah, so, it wasn't that long ago. Well, it's all in perspective, whether you say that that's, that's a long time yes. or short yeah. time. But it was a great conference and um, really fun to get to travel with Silas and Micah. And Silas was just such a great help. And just fun to, when I travel for a speaking event, try to take one of the older kids with me and just kind of have that one-on-one time. And you just see things in them. You learn things about them. You just have these special experiences together. There's a lot of laughter. It's hard work, but it's also rewarding. And so that was really fun. I also am in the process of listening to an audio book that I'm really disappointed because my time ran out on Libby, on the Libby app before I was finished listening to it, but it's called The Nightingale, which probably every single person has heard of and read before, but I hadn't. I just finished The Great Alone by Kristen Hanna, who is very well known for The Nightingale. Um, And so after I listened to that and talked about that, I, I talked about it here on the podcast so many people wrote in and said, Crystal, you've got to read The Nightingale. And so it came up on Libby, the Libby app, but I was in the middle of some other audiobooks and I went ahead and borrowed it and shouldn't have borrowed it. You can actually say you when you go to borrow, you can choose for them to send it right. to you later. Yep. And I should have done that. And I didn't stagger things well enough. So I got in the thick of the book and then it had to go back so to were you reading it Libby. on double time or listen to it on double time i think like one point one and a half six five like it that. really depends upon the narrator yeah. some some of them they are much slower and so i can do it I, two for me is usually too fast to really enjoy it but i can't imagine listening to things on regular speed because if I do 1.35 or 1.45 with a lot of narrators, that feels slow. So usually I'm somewhere around 1.65. What's the quickest that you can listen to? Or not the quickest. What is the fastest rate that they can I think read? you is can like go up to four, three, or three or something. Four? But two is... They I know end up sounding like Alvin and the Chipmunks. I have a friend who says she never listens to audiobooks on anything slower than two. And that to me is pretty incredible wow. because how do you multitask? What do you mean? How do you multitask? L- listening to an audiobook at that that fast, how do you multitask? Like you totally will miss something. I think I think you're going to miss something unless you're very much an auditory listener. I Can am, you be otherwise? <sighs> auditory <laughs> What is the learner? <laughs> learner sorry. Okay. It's, it's a little late and I've been gone for the past few days. If you're an auditory learner, you might like for me, I'm more of a visual, but I can enjoy an audiobook that Hold is up. what you are a visual listener. A visual, I will, I, I a will put learner. that out there. You are a visual, visual listener because um, you can't hear me if you don't have your contacts in. That's true. Or my glasses on. But I I find that reading a book, I definitely, in most cases, get more out of the book. But a fiction yeah. novel, yeah. I, I can get that. into the story. If it's nonfiction, unless it's really well written, I typically find that I will get a lot more out of it if I read it. So that's why I mostly do fiction. But that was a, a long segue to say I was really enjoying it. And, you know, I can't 
completely vouch for it because I wasn't, usually I feel like I can't vouch for a book unless I'm almost finished with it. And I was more to the middle mark, but it was one of those things where I'm like, I don't know how this is going to (laughs) end, which I love. I love books that I haven't figured out the finish. If I've already figured out the ending of a story, it's kind of like, should I just listen to see if it ends like I think it will? Or Have you heard any from this author before? Just the great, just alone. the one. So you don't, you don't know necessarily if they have like a pattern, like oh, this is well, this is what's going to happen. I here don't then, know that she has written very many books. Okay. You should. Do you have your phone? You could look it I up. I don't know. Um, if I'm remembering correctly, this may be only her. She might only have three books, but all three of them are very big, thick, well-researched books that have sold. I don't even know, probably millions of copies. Very well known. So. She's the kind of author who could take 10 years to release a new book because she sells so many copies that she could, you know, she doesn't have to write a book every year. And what's saving my life kind of goes along with our trips, but the Ergo, I don't think I've ever talked about the Ergo on a podcast. No. And maybe, maybe maybe I've mentioned baby wearing, Yeah, but... I love the Ergo. I have loved it since we got one with Catherine whenever she was a little girl. And we used the same one for all three of the um, older kids and then got rid of it or gave it away thinking we weren't going to have kids. And so we wouldn't be using it. And then with Kirsten, I never got one just because they're kind of expensive. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, I can just use what I have. And she wasn't really into baby wearing. Although Mm -hmm. part of me wonders if I had done a better job of from the get-go putting her in some kind of wrap and just being like, oh, this is what it is. She probably would. I waited a little bit too long before starting it. And then she was like, I don't like this at all. But with Micah, I was like, you're just going to have to love baby wearing. And he does. He loves it. But the Ergo is his favorite right now. And it was so great for travel because just being able to stick him in there and stick his pinky in. And then I had my hands free, but he was very safe and protected, especially when you're getting on an airplane or Mm -hmm. you're going through the airport and there's lots of people. I just really liked having him close to me. I feel like in the past when we've traveled with babies around his age or a little bit older, we would put them in a stroller, like an infant seat in a stroller, which works. But I feel like for him, he probably would have been crying a lot. He much prefers to be worn. And so the Ergo Mm -hmm. has just been so great. And it's also really great for your back, as far as I understand, um, ergonomically great. And I never experienced any sort of back pain or anything. And I wore him so much at the conference and then traveling there and traveling back and my back wasn't sore at all. Mm -hmm. And um, so I'm just grateful for that and would highly recommend Ergo. Yeah. And I've never used the Ergo, but my uh, baby carrier that I have, he really loves that one. The one from tactical baby gear that I have. I think we've talked about tactical baby gear. I think we talked about that. We should, you know, we should have a spreadsheet of all the things we talked about, but <laughs> then I'd have to make a spreadsheet. And if you follow me on Instagram, you know that I don't make spreadsheets unless 
someone else kind of creates it for me and then I will fill it out. And only if I absolutely have to, because there is no other option and it's some kind of project, but I don't create them and I really don't like them. So, (laughs) you know, you know how I figure out sometimes if I'm like, oh, have we talked about that on the podcast? I go Google it on my website and I Google the word or the name. In the show notes. Yes. And then that's how I figure it out, which is probably a very. It's just easy as easy to looking up on a spreadsheet. Thank you. I'm really impressed that you said that. I expected you would be like, it would be so much easier and so no, much more efficient. Not necessarily. You know, I just have fit, come up with a lot of workarounds. Mm-hmm. You come up with a system that works for you. That's right. So like I said, we're going to have a conversation with Ruth Jo Simons. She has a brand new book out for Advent. It is a devotional, and we're going to be talking more about that, but not just about her book. We're really going to be talking about preparing our hearts and what it looks like to have this posture for the Christmas season, the holiday season that is grace-filled, and it's not like you have to do everything perfectly. You don't have to make a magical Christmas, but just preparing our hearts in a way that really focuses on what matters most at Christmas. And it's not just about Christmas, but preparing our hearts in a way that impacts us for the rest of the year. So enjoy this Facebook Live conversation. Hello, friends. I am here, surprise, with my friend Ruth. We were supposed to do a podcast, but... Today was not the day because I just realized that we didn't have the card that we needed for the podcast. And so we are doing a surprise live and we are going to talk about preparing our hearts for the holiday, preparing our hearts for the fall. It just can feel overwhelming right now. It can feel like there's so much to do and what are we supposed to do? How are we supposed to get it all done? And how do we have peace in the middle of it? I know you have older kids. Did you tell them the ages of your children? No, I am a mama to six boys. My oldest is 20 and my youngest is nine. Yes, I do have all boys. No twins, no girls. And so you wrote this book that's about an invitation to preparing, let me see the title, preparing him room. At Christmas Christmas and and always. always. And I was thinking of, I feel like so many moms feel overwhelmed with this idea that they need to make Christmas this really special thing. But that's a wonderful goal. But you have this perspective of having older kids and some younger kids. And I would love to hear, you know, speak to that young mom who she's just feeling like there's so much that I need to do and getting ready for fall. And there's so much that I need to do when it comes to thinking of the holidays. And I just, I don't know how to do it all. Right, right. So first of all, I just want to say, I think a lot of times people think just because Ruth, I'm an artist that I must, it must come so easily to me to make everything beautiful and decorate and make everything artistic, but that's not always true. And so If you are joining us and you happen to have a gifting for hanging garlands and making everything lovely and it's all magical, there's no shame in that. Of course, that's a lovely gifting. But I think I'm also just reaching out and speaking to the hearts of moms who maybe you're 
still dealing with a newborn. Maybe you're barely sleeping at night. Maybe you're dealing with temper tantrums in the little years and you're simply going, how do I actually not waste these seasons that are so seemingly so special? And then we start hearing all the commercials come on and suddenly you go, am I the worst mom ever because I don't have some amazing traditions or if I don't have like this beautiful candlelit thing going on every single night? Oh, what if my kids don't remember it being so magical? Will I ruin their idea of what home is? And and I think we have these ideas of how it needs to go. And if you're like me, family is messy, real life is messy, and you get to the Christmas season and just the entire holiday season of the fall. And sometimes you just realize like you can't have exactly what you picture in your mind. Mm -hmm. And you think, oh, I somewhere in here, Jesus is the reason for the season, but somehow I'm starting to worship my ideals and my idea of what happiness is for my kids, what happiness is for me. And so this is just my little love letter to other families, other women to just prepare our hearts for what is true. And, and as a mama who's, um, raised, you know, six boys over the last 20 years, um, you will not satisfy everyone in your family at all times, right? So what might be magical for one child, um, is having pumpkins out at things at, you know, in October and, um, cornucopias and Thanksgiving and Christmas. And you may be like, Oh my goodness, I literally can't keep up with all this stuff. And so as a family, I think we need to think through what is it that we want our kids to walk away with? What's the, what's the reminder? What's the tone when they close their eyes? What will they remember about what was most important? Is it really going to be the smell of cookies for, for sure? We well, light a candle. You know, we don't have to, you don't have to be the best baker, but what is it that will give them hope as they leave our homes? And this isn't a book just for, parents or just for kids. But my point just being that when we celebrate as families, that pressure we feel as moms usually have to do with whether or not the people in our homes feel excited about what we've done or they're disappointed in us. And I think that pressure sometimes is the enemy's lies that keep us from enjoying the season because it takes our eyes off of Jesus and puts it all on whether or not we are doing things right. Mm -hmm. Have you found that to be mm -hmm. true too? Yeah. And you were talking um, in this book, kind of your hope for it is that it's not just about December. Yeah. Because I right. think sometimes we can focus so much on making December magical. Right. And so we say Jesus is the reason for the season. What does that actually mean? Yeah. And how is that more than just December? You know, I feel like what happens um, and I don't know if you know this, this too, you guys, but I find that sometimes we're all like crazy getting back to school, getting things ready. And then somehow, you know, all the holidays stack up and then we get through Thanksgiving and suddenly we're like, oh my goodness, I have to be ready for Christmas. And all of it, if we're honest, has to do with things and decoration and presents and lists and family reunions and menus and so much that is good. Like those are all really wonderful things. I love hosting and I love doing a lot of those things, but somehow in there we go, oh, we're celebrating the birth of Christ. Oh my goodness. We really need to squeeze in everything we can say about the birth of Christ in the month of December, because this is really important for us to remember that Jesus came as a baby and paid the price for our sin on the cross. 
But somehow that story gets stuck somewhere right in the middle of December for just a short few weeks while we're all stressing out about whether or not we got the right gifts. And then we talk about it on Easter weekend and somewhere right in between all the other days of the year, we forget that it really matters. And so this is my love letter to all the women out there who know somewhere inside that everything we talk about in the Christmas season has to matter the rest of the year. It cannot be just a a Christmas magical moment in the month of December. We actually need to apply and think through why is God with us through Christ? Why does that matter? Why is that actually hope on January 1, right? Have you ever found yourself um, come to the end of Christmas and then you're like trying to leave the tree up and the lights on, on for just a little longer But the truth is January 1 comes around, January 15 comes around, and you realize, oh my goodness, I'm back into the doldrums, and life is mundane, and it's hard, and somehow you've lost that Christmas, quote, magic. And um, I'm inviting you to join me this year and just prepare room in our hearts to start the conversation about why God chose to be with us and why that matters into February, into April, at and every day of the entire year. And so as we kind of think of, you know, it's August and mm-hmm. it's going to be <laughs> September and October, November, December. Yeah. What can we do now to start preparing our hearts to have more peace and to approach Christmas and the holiday season with a different perspective and not feeling like we have to do all the things or not setting ourselves up for yeah. disappointment. Yeah. I think first of all, you know, I often say, um, and I didn't make it up, but if you've read any of my books, you know that I like to say we become what we behold, right? Mm-hmm. So what you're like focusing on and looking at all the time will actually change our hearts. Mm-hmm. And so on a practical level, I think sometimes making a plan to not turn your attention fully on all your devices and all the commercials and all the the store displays that would cause you to, that would disciple us because we're all, we're all being discipled every day all the time and so we get to choose what we're beholding and so on a practical level it might be just even beginning now saying what do I want to behold this fall what is it that I really want to think on and focus on and maybe for you it means that you say instead of spending that extra 20 minutes um, scrolling on my cell phone. I'm going to get outside and take a walk in whatever season in my neck of the woods. It's going to, the snow is going to start falling in maybe late October, whatever season it is. It may be that you just step outside and be more in awe of God than in all the things that the world would have you buy into both philosophically and with your wallet. And so that's just on a practical level. But I think about the first, um, I, I think one of the things that I hope to accomplish through this devotional that's meant to be a 25-day journey is just that it doesn't have to be just a 25-day journey. And it's we don't need to be so um, have such a scarcity mentality about it, right? I think sometimes what stresses us out is that we're like, um, I have to get it right. So how early do I have to start? What do I have to do? And oh my goodness, now it's Christmas is over. And now we have to wait for a whole other year to make it lovely again. And I'm not saying, listen, y'all, I'm not saying that you're supposed to keep your tree up into like March. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the heartbeat of what we're longing for, because I mean, give me some thumbs up or some hearts or whatever, if you agree with this. But the truth is what we're all really longing for isn't the twinkle lights on the tree. What we're really longing for is peace. Mm. What we're all really longing for is peace 
and love and assurance. What we're really longing for when we bring our families together is to feel seen and known and loved. It's not really that you're longing for that present under the tree. And it's not really that you're longing for those specific cookies or that specific set of ornaments. Those are all just extras. What you're really longing for is to know that your one life matters Mm -hmm. and that it counts and that your investment in your family and your kids isn't all a wreck and it's actually building to something beautiful. And sometimes we look to Advent and the Christmas season to be that one moment that reassures us that God is at work and everything's going to be okay. And my invitation to you is that Emmanuel is his name, is God's name for God with us through Christ. And he came so that we wouldn't have to wait for 25 days in a year's time to know that everything is going to be okay. Is that he is with us every single day to remind us that he is at work always. And so when this book is broken down into four weeks, and in the very first week, Crystal and I talk about from expectations to expectant, from worried to worshipful, from lacking to generous, from isolated to invited, from stressed to grateful, from jealous to joyful. And it goes on to have spend another week in God's promises, another week in our response to his promises, and the fourth week being the names of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I chose to set it up this way is because the reality is we need a long on-ramp to prepare our hearts. Guys, I'm not... I'm not naturally prone to thinking that God's at work, that um, it, I'm naturally prone to thinking that it all depends on me and that I need to make sure that everything works out the way I expect. Mm-hmm. And so Jesus came as Emmanuel so that we might find that it was never up to us. Mm-hmm. It was never about our abilities. And so this is my invitation, my encouragement for you to just join me this year to make this a journey that we start maybe at Christmas time. Yes, maybe start December 1. I would love for you to start with me then, but that those 25 days would be turned into the conversations and the heartbeat that would carry us through even in the dead of winter, January 25th or whenever it is that you feel like all the magic is gone. Can you show them really quickly the inside? Yeah. It's just, it's gorgeous. Everything you do oh, is just beautiful. So and it's just, if we haven't met before, I am an art, artist and an author. And so, um, most, all my devotional books have full color art in it as well. So, um, this is really awkward to flip it this way, but <laughs> they can get a little taste of how beautiful it is. It is beautiful. And my hope is that with my artwork, my hope has always been that you and those that you choose to read with, um, would linger, that you would just turn to a page and would sit still for it a while because you know that the holiday season and really the entire fall season is a time where we're, where our tension's so scattered and we're constantly moving to the next thing. And sometimes beauty and truth has a way of um, keeping us still long enough to listen a little bit longer. So that's the desire here as, um, and for um, art nerds, you'll find that um, there's kind of an ombre of colors. We move from one color to, we start in whites and we end in um, really beautiful peaches and pinks. And so it's just, it's, it's my first Christmas book. And I'm so honored to share it with you. And where can they get this book? Oh, I would be so honored for you to pre-order right now. If you know, I mean, I'm sure Crystal has explained it to y'all too, but if you pre-order books, it's just a gift to authors because it allows, um, retailers, Target, Amazon, anyone to know that, Hey, we need to stock this book. And so the book, 
delivers and ships out September 13. Just ahead for you to kind of get an idea of what you want to do when you start the journey in December. But um, you can pre-order it anywhere you order books at Target, Amazon, um, Barnes and Noble. And right now, if you go to RuthJoeSimons.com, that's R-U-T-H-C-H-O-U-S-I-M-O-N-S, you can get some pre-ordered bonuses, including a discussion guide if you would like to do this as a study with some friends. Thank you so much. So we'll put the link in the header and also put in the comments below. Thanks for joining us and thanks for being flexible to do the surprise <laughs> oh, live. It's good. It's good. <laughs> it's good to be real. And friends, thank you for joining us. It was lovely to um, have a conversation in the middle of the day with y'all. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today. For more great resources, please visit crystalpain.com. 